What's up, everybody? How is everyone doing today? So, as you notice, uh, once again, Abby's bailing on us, guys. She doesn't. She doesn't love us anymore. She sent me a message. She basically said, "I hate the lives. I hate everybody that comes on. I don't want to be a part of it anymore whatsoever." John, stop asking me. And I said, "You know what, Abby? I respect you. I respect your wishes. I'm no longer going to ask you to be on it." So we got the fabulous, beautiful Dan joining beautiful. us again. <laughs> You replaced, you replaced Abby with a forty-nine-year-old producer. Upgrades. Yeah. <laughs> Who's wearing glasses so we can see you? Uh, she's uh, she's got a she's got a tournament tomorrow, so she's making sure that she's well rested before she goes to the tournament. So everybody, wish her luck and pray for her that she kicks some major butt while she's over there, and as well stays safe and stays healthy. But with that being said, we got a few things that I want to talk about today. First off, we're going to be talking about Sneeko. Sneeko was banned from YouTube. I don't know if he was banned from all platforms, just like Andrew Tate was. Now, for don't, those that don't know, if you're living under a rock, Andrew Tate was banned from literally everything including like uber which like blew my mind and that all happened like overnight and then sneeko he's been banned too so the question is was it justifiable to ban this guy should they be doing it should they be doing it from every platform does this count as you know going against somebody's freedom of speech then the next thing we're going to be talking about is kanye west and you know the dude's crazy and <laughs> he is crazy in a good way or a bad way well that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna find out he is nuts uh he knows what to do so everybody is talking about him and there's some things that i think that he says is really cool there's some things that i think he says is really weird and we're going to be breaking that down but lastly uh last point we're going to be jumping into today is uh a pastor I say that reluctantly, a pastor uh, by the name of Penny Cost, play on words for Pentecostal, and uh, this is a drag queen pastor uh, that, you know, preaches, well, you can you can guess the things that this, this person preaches, and we're going to be discussing that and, and what that looks like as well. So with that being said, jumping into the Sneeko thing. Uh, we do have this short clip uh, where Sneeko tells us what happened, uh, why he was kicked. Basically gives us his two points. We're going to look at that and then we're going to break it down. Let's just full screen that. And After nearly a decade of dedicating my life's work to YouTube.com, they terminated all of my channels. For those of you that don't know, before I started live streaming three months ago, I amassed a million subscribers on my main channel called Sneeko, doing artistic, creative, funny videos with the motto of seeking truth through funny. I started in middle school taking the bus home and then uploading my Call of Duty commentaries, evolving to my famous series called The One Minute Podcast where I was interviewing people on the streets of New York City. Then when I started live streaming on my second channel, Sneeko, I quickly grew to 850,000 subscribers in a summer. They had to do something. The theme of my live streams was labeled as Red Pill, which a lot of people on the internet misconstrue as some pickup artist, misogynistic women hating, when in reality, the analogy comes from the movie The Matrix when Morpheus offers Neo the Red Pill or the Blue Pill. The Red Pill meaning the truth. Since the beginning of my streaming, the mantra I kept repeating to my chat was that freedom of speech is dead, and if they censor it, it's true. And since then, they got me for three strikes, and that's why they terminated everything, not just my second channel, but my main channel, and any fan channel with my name in it. Not only that, but I'm gonna pursue legal action against Google for freezing 120,000 of my dollars because they terminated my account when they felt like it. Them banning me proves what I'm saying right. Freedom of speech is dead. 
Nobody cares about the truth anymore, and you can see why from my strikes. My first community guidelines warning was for COVID misinformation. My first strike was for election misinformation. My third one was for nudity, and then they said, you know what, that's too obvious, we'll remove that one. Then I flew to Bucharest, Romania to meet with Andrew Tate and be on his podcast, and they hit me with the cyberbullying strike for a viral video that was uploaded two months ago. If it's not obvious, anything can be labeled as cyberbullying and anything can be labeled as harassment. So I posted a YouTube short on my main channel saying, hey guys, I can't stream for two weeks, I'll see you soon. And YouTube hit me with the circumvention strike and that's how they were able to delete everything off the platform. Even though there's channels right now who have done the same thing. Hey guys, I can't stream because I have a strike, I'll see you soon. It's an excuse. There's no consistency with the rules. They attack people who are going against their agenda. All the YouTubers that are celebrating me being banned right now have proved my point as well. They are so brainwashed and programmed that they can't comprehend the fact that celebrating the banning of another YouTuber is sick. Well, I mean, I tried to warn him. <laughs> I tried to warn him. And uh, yeah, YouTube, I mean, look, it's YouTube's uh, website. They can do whatever the fuck they want. If he broke TOS, oh, there's language. an L for him. Language warning. I, I, I warned him. I told him, like, he was moving mad. He was moving mad. A lot of these booster shot, indoctrinated, brainwashed YouTubers are trying to take credit for the fact that I'm banned, when in reality, it's bigger than you, the government. Okay, so... And that's basically the gist of what he is saying there. So basically, he was banned. I don't know uh, what the reason that they're claiming they're banning him for. I've seen some comments stating that it was for uh, emulating some grotesque scenes, for promoting a specific type of um, SA. And if that's the case, like if that was genuinely what happened, then yes, I'm going to support a ban. Like we shouldn't support uh, this idea of like, you know, when we're looking at... Should we dictate speech? There are some things that come into mind. Uh, we think about things like you can't yell fire, right? Like I can't walk into a crowded theater and just scream out, ah, there's a fire and entice people to run out. Like there are limitations to things that we can say, but that limitation comes into anything that entices some sort of danger. Uh, but then that comes into the idea of it's subjective to think about what is dangerous and what is not dangerous to see. Now, from what I've seen with Sneeko and Andrew Tate, I don't agree with their approach. Uh, I do think they are definitely misogynistic in, in, to a certain extent, and the way that they speak uh, about women and to women is almost as if they're lesser. Uh, and then I hear them say things like, oh no, I treat them like they're special and they, and they should be guarded, and, and, and that's cool. I agree with that. But here's the question. Is that enticing danger? I don't think so. I think that is just a worldview and their perspective. Then I hear an argument from people. Okay. I personally don't think either one of them should have been banned. That is my personal opinion. I think they should be allowed to say what they want. Anybody who saw my video uh, earlier this week speaking on it, I used the uh, example of, of Inglorious Bastards, that movie, uh, where Brad Pitt's character is talking to the Nazis. So basically, I'll give the context of the scene here. Uh, they have a group of Nazis. They're trying to get information. Uh, they kill one of the Nazis because he won't give the information. And they get the second Nazi and they're like, we'll let you live if you give us this information. He gives the information. So they say, we're going to let you live. Now, they ask them, they're like, they ask the Nazi, what are you going to do when you get home? And he says, I'm going to burn my uniform, right? I'm no longer going to represent that culture anymore because I realize the danger it's put me in. Brad Pitt's character says, 
I don't like that. I want my Nazi in uniform. I want to know where you are. I want to be able to see you. They don't like it so much that they brand him. They brand him with the swastika. Anybody who sees the movie knows it's pretty harsh what they do. So they want to know where the Nazis are. And I kind of see this in the same way today when it comes to media. So when we look at this media, like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, uh, what else is there? Twitter. Twitter is bad for this. Twitter ban you just for sneezing. Um, they, yes, they're a corporation. They can dictate what is on their platform. Absolutely. But here's the problem with that. If we as a culture, as a society as in whole, starts looking at people and going, I dislike what you are saying. I am going to take away your ability to say it. Those people still believe what they believe. So, for example, a Nazi is still going to be a Nazi. The only difference is I'm not going to be able to tell who is a Nazi and who isn't a Nazi. Andrew Tate's of the world are still going to exist. They're still going to be doing what they're doing. They're still going to, to live and believe the things that they believe. They're still going to be indoctrinating people into their worldview, but I'm not going to know about it. I'm not going to know who to look at. When I walk down the street or I go to a store or I'm talking in my community, I'm never going to know who is somebody I can actually trust or not actually trust because everybody's afraid to speak. And that's just the reality. We are terrified to speak nowadays. Um, I know when it comes to like my work, the work I do, I work with youth quite a bit and I have beliefs uh, that are core uh, to my faith that have genuinely concerned me that one day somebody could pipe up and be like, hey, John is a hateful person because of his religious beliefs. And now that makes me f fearful to be who I am on a regular basis. Now, I don't think I actually believe anything that would incorporate me losing my job, but that's on the back of my mind. So what's happening is that we're not actually fixing the problem. We're hiding it. We're putting it in a corner and we're saying, you, you don't get to talk, but they still exist. We're not fixing it. We're not trying to change. We're not speaking up louder. We're not trying to go, hey, Andrew Tate is wrong. Sneeko is wrong. Here is why. Let me convince you on why they are wrong. Let me show you the reasons why they're wrong. We're saying that's misinformation. That's hatred. That's all this. Let me censor them and put them in a corner. And for people who say, okay, these are corporations. They're allowed to do whatever they want. I agree. You can't go into a business and just say whatever you want and, and the business be okay with that. If they have a certain policy, they're allowed to enforce that policy. YouTube has a certain policy. They're allowed to enforce that policy. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, they're all allowed to enforce these policies. My argument isn't that a corporation has the right. My argument is should. It's not the can, it's the should. Like I said, I want to know. You, you ever hear that saying where it's like people say, it's like, you know, um, uh, what, what is it? It's a uh, if you have something bad to say about me, say it to my face. Mm -hmm. I think everybody agrees with that saying, right? If you have something bad to say about me, say it to my face. Well, why doesn't this translate over to the grand scheme of things? Why is it that when it comes to media or a public persona, 
we don't want them to say these things to our face. Why do you think that is? Well, nobody wants to actually deal with confrontation. Right. So, and again, us as Christians think of church, you know, all the confrontation that happens is unseen behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why like the Bible talks about slander and gossip a lot. Right. Um, and that's, and it, it's insidious and it's talking about the church. Think of what the world can be like then. Um, and I was going to ask you, so if you're talking about platforms or deplatforming or whatever you want to call it, what's the solution though? Cause right now, you know, uh, Dan Bongino and people like that are going to rumble. Mm-hmm. Is that a long-term solution? I don't know what's going to happen on rumble now. Right now it's free speech, but so is YouTube. YouTube was supposed to be your content, your way, your your voice, and your life. But they, that's not the truth anymore. YouTube caved to the to. I don't want to sound red pill here, uh, <laughs> but they came they caved to the woke mob, yeah. um, and that's that's the same with uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Like I am, oh, <laughs> it's still coming up. It's okay. Uh, I am always very skeptical. I, I every time I make a video, and I know I'm touching on something that is dangerous. I have to be very, very, very political with my speech. I have to think about how I maneuver uh, with it because well, I've spent, I've spent a year uh, building a platform over, maybe over a year now, we'll say a year building a platform, uh, working very hard on it that could be taken away from me in a moment uh, simply because a higher up or the masses uh, disagree with what I am saying it and deem it as hate speech. Now, the problem with that is that's subjective. We, we, when I posted the Sneeko video, I seen a lot of people put comments that actually scared me. They're, they were celebrating. They're like, yes, this hatred absolutely should be banned. I'm so glad they're banned. Like, let's get them out. Like what they were saying is disgusting. What they're saying is wrong. And then I actually seen misinformation. I seen people claiming that these people were doing these videos I'd never seen. And I, I studied this. I had to, I have to look this up. Because when I do these lives and I do these videos, I need to know what's going on. I need to know the context. Now, I might have missed things, but I, I haven't seen any of these so-called claims. Now, they may exist, right? But what I think is happening is people are just saying that these people are doing things and then they believe it and then people hate them. Like I saw this video where this guy was going around and he was asking uh, these these girls, he's like, what do you think of Andrew Tate? Now, again, I want to be clear. I'm not an Andrew Tate fan. I'm not. I, I actually uh, dislike him. Like I said, there's some things he says I have to be honest. I agree with, but the vast majority of the things he says, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not about it. But this guy approached these girls and they're like, "What do you think of Andrew Tate?" And these girls are like, "I hate him. He's a misogynist." Or what did he say that was misogynistic? And they're like, "Bye. I'm not talking to you." And they they wouldn't actually give any evidence or information. And it seems to be that it's just cultural cultural influence that actually convinces us of these things because we may disagree with one thing and then we take it to the next level and then somebody will say it and then these other people will agree and it'll be part of the social group, right? If I'm in a social group and then you and you and you and you and you all say that Andrew Tate is misogynistic, Sneeko is misogynistic and they, and they do these horrible things and they hate on women and they beat on women, I'm going to be influenced by that. I'm going to say, yes. Then I see their video. I report. And this is, this is what I'm seeing as a society is that we actually don't want to engage in a conversation. Let me put it like this. If somebody wants to kill me, like if they want me dead, I want them to tell me. I want to know that that person doesn't approve of me. 
right? And it's so easy to say we should stop that kind of speech and, and things like that. Me personally, I thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Now I know I can't trust you, right? If, if you dislike my information or, or what's coming out, I want to know. If you dislike my videos, I want to know. Um, tell me. And that, that's going to help me grow and that's going to help me understand you more as a person. Now, again, we shouldn't be saying things like, you know, all these people go out and kill these people. You shouldn't say that. That's enticing violence. So there, there is a limit to freedom of speech. Anything that doesn't break the realms of, of safety. But the question is, like you were saying, how do we fix this problem? And I think the way we fix this problem is the same way the problem started. Societal influence. When we, when we see a mob of people grabbing, uh, grouping together and being like, we're going to shut down this platform or shut down this person. I think in some ways we also need to be a mob that goes, no. Like, I don't agree with what they're saying, but I'll defend the right to say it. And too often we kind of just roll over to the mob. Something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about the things that I like to consume on, on um, YouTube, for example. It may not be something that somebody else wants to see, but if some random person or platform has decided it's not good, where, where in the world am I going to go? Absolutely. And here's the thing people don't realize either is that you could be happy that uh, somebody is being banned mm. and then not realizing you need it. <laughs> yeah. We're battling with my computer right now because usually use your own computer. I'll just continue here. Yeah. Um, and then not realize that one day you might be the person that they disagree with on, uh, on whatever you're saying. Right. Like right, right now you might be the person that goes, Hey, Everything I say is accepted by uh, society, and we're all we're all good. But the but Judeo Christian values used to be the, the accepted norm, right? When I went to school, I don't know about you, but when I went to school in the seventies and eighties into nineties, early nineties, <laughs> when I left, um, we used to do the Lord's Prayer, right, and the national anthem, right. Is that happening in schools still? I don't know. No, it's not. Well, not the Lord's Prayer, but even the National Anthem, I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you have the chat on you? Let's ask. Does anybody have kids who are going to school? Uh, and if so, uh, do your children participate in the National Anthem? Is that part of it? Because when I was coming up, we still did the National Anthem. With that being, well, you, well we're looking at that. I do yeah. actually have uh, some verses that I think are important that kind of go into this idea of should we be able to speak? Should we not be able to speak? First one I want to look at was a class. Ecclesiastes 7, uh, 21 through 22, that says, uh, do not take to heart all things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. I think that one uh, is extremely important because it goes into that idea, right? Like we all, for one, say horrible, bad things, but often we won't say it on a public platform, but that doesn't change the fact that we still believe it. Now, we could look at somebody like Andrew Tate uh, that says these things and we could be all upset about it and try to shut them down. But then we have to realize that there's people who are going to be upset about what we say. What if they try to shut us down? So allow people to speak and don't take everything so personal. It's not about you. Not everything is about you. 
Second one I want to point out is Galatians 4.16. Uh, have I come your, have I become your enemy by telling the truth a little out of context here, but Paul basically saying, uh, to, to his people, you know, I'm just speaking the truth. Don't be mad at me. I'm just speaking what I believe is true. Even if he's wrong, he still believes it's true. And he's, he's actually saying that I'm, I'm assuming that you love me and you're part of the, of the family. I'm speaking to people that love me and care for me. Right. So using that terminology is, is, is that hyperbole? like over-dramatizing it yes. to say, you know, I'm assuming you're not thinking I'm your enemy because I'm telling you something that has to be said. Right. And and that's the same thing with like, um, again, I don't agree with what they're saying, but Sneeko and Tate, um, they believe what they're saying is the truth. And some of the answers are my kids don't do it anymore in school. No. So I'm assuming, you know, you're responding to my question about the, not only the Lord's Prayer, but also the National Anthem. National Anthem, yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's, it seems to be where all the cultural norms of the past are being not just forgotten, but like wiped off the face of this earth. Like we don't want to affiliate with the past. We see that with, you know, things being ripped down or road names being changed. I get mortified when I look at Toronto and they keep changing the roads that I grew up with to oh, just random names because that are, like they're trying to, and again, I'm all for the fact that we landed here and the, the, um, indigenous people were here. Mm -hmm. I get it. We're from the British empire. At least I was, and I kind of own that, but it doesn't mean that we have to then somehow apologize on every level all of the time. Like we get it. You know, it's well, one thing that always confused me about that is why isn't, um, why isn't the naming of a street or, or like, for example, they're trying to take away, uh, um, people of color in, in certain images like uncle Ben's Aunt Jemima Aunt Jemima. Yeah. Uh, uh, then you have like football teams, things like this. Why isn't that considered honoring of, right? Like, don't you want to see more people of color in representation? Why, right. why are you taking them off of there and saying that this is racist? This is appropriation. We shouldn't be doing it. Isn't that a state of saying, Hey, I, I see like, like I forget what it was that football team that was, um, had someone of a First Nations descendant as their logo, and they had to remove that. Well, didn't they put that person up there because they were seen as like a warrior and they wanted to represent like a warrior? You're talking about Washington that, Redskins? I, I don't know football. Man. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's say Washington Redskins. But isn't that the idea? Is that they were like, hey, we, we're representing a warrior culture and we want to come out and seem like warriors. Isn't it a sense of... It was even, even if it wasn't that, it was the cultural identity of the location. So right. we're saying we're of that. This was us. This is this is who we are. It's our identity, whether it's good or bad. And it's funny. The ironic term is whitewashing, and I don't mean that in in a in a race way. Mm -hmm. I mean we're whitewashing away anything that is a problem. But what is the problem? Is we don't want to have any identity. No, that's how I think about it in Canada. Well, because everybody's just all, uh, they're consumed by self. Right. So it's all about me and what everybody has done wrong to me and everybody needs to fix all these problems about me instead of like uh, this idea of serving others because it's like there is no identity because we're not willing to conform in any way. But, but then what, how does any identity become something valuable? You know, because if, if we're not who we are, you know, and we would say we're children of God, mm -hmm. you know, we're chosen, we're loved and cared for, we're unique, but we're actually trying to wipe all of that away. And I'm, I'm a 
bit scared for what the future is going to look like if nothing has any purpose. But if we have no identity, if you take it away nationally, take it away provincially, locally, individually, then we're just a bunch of, I'll, I'll use a mash term, walking zilches. <laughs> There was a, I seen a video earlier today, actually, I think fits this. Um, somebody was talking about how they were suicidal um, and, and they were going to go, go down that path and they were writing their parents and, and doing all that. And they actually, um, they came out of that by finding a job in, in helping, who was it? I, I'm a vague memory of this. They were helping, I think it was a career in helping the elderly community. It was either elderly or the homeless community. And when they took on that job and they started working and doing that, they actually found their happiness. They found their joy. They found their purpose. And they no longer wanted to commit suicide. And a big part of that is because, you know, it, there's meaning, there's community, there's purpose. What is my job? What is my purpose? Well, my meaning is to serve these other people and, and bring them the things that they need. And it wasn't about this idea of, you know, nothingness. You know, and, and as a society, we do need some sort of conformity. We do. Like people say, ah, oh, don't conform. Be your own unique special. Indi-. If everybody's their own unique special individual, nothing works. Well, and, and the funny thing is conformity is going to happen whether you like it or not. Yes. Language is conformity. Yes. Everybody speak your own language now. <laughs> Find your own language. You don't want to conform. Well, if you're Pentecostal or, 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 or in any way. <laughs> so then, then we, they're all, all bets are off. <laughs> then, then you got us beat. You literally. literally. <laughs> All right. Anyways, a couple more verses uh, for this, and then we'll move hey, on to Topher the Kings. next point. What's up, Topher? Uh, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Uh, so you know, small opinions about things that we there are, are juvenile. It's not worth animosity in somebody's unless somebody's actually dangerous. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because of the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. I wanted to bring this up because often as Christians, we are being censored. That's just the reality of the world. We're being censored, but take that to heart. Know that you're doing it for a good reason. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account of every careless word they speak. I wanted to point this out because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yeah. Right? Like, Dan, if you say something awful to me, cool. All right. That's, I might get upset about it. I might cry myself to sleep because I'm a sensitive guy, but it's not my job to get back to you. That's God's job. God's going to do it. And you're going to give an account of what you said on last day. Same thing. If I say awful to you, we're all going to give an account of the words that we say. And again, unless it's enticing violence, stop being so sensitive about it. Well, and that's, that's the draw of Satan, right? Is, is vengeance, revenge, um, eye for an eye, but using it out of context, you know, it's, um, you do, you do something to me, I can do it to you and I'm justified in my actions. So when people, you know, when somebody is killed in a family and then a, another family member forgives them, we hate that. We want justice. We're like, that's not justice. He deserves to be ridiculed. But then forgiveness comes along and we talked about it before. Yeah. Paul, Paul was a Christian killer. Yeah. Yet Paul was preaching to people who he killed their relatives. How do you reconcile that? Well, actually, it's quite the coincidence. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I'm listening to an a, a audio book on my off time, uh, trying to get in more knowledge. And in this audio book, um, it said, what is, it said the only, the only thing that is actually good is forgiveness. That is the only thing that's truly good because, and here's why, if you hate evil, if you hate it and you condemn it, that's still evil. 
because you're using fire for fire, using hate to kill hate, you're using evil to kill evil. So it's still evil. But if you accept evil for what it is, you're condoning it and you're allowing it to happen, which in itself is also evil. So the only thing that is actually truly good is forgiveness because forgiveness says this, forgiveness says what has happened is evil, but I do not condemn it. I accept you. I love you. And I, I, I bring you in and I cherish you as, as the value that you have. So the only good thing that we can do, period, is not shutting down a platform for the things that they speak. It's actually forgiving them for the things that they've said. And, and it's funny when you go back to scripture, even in the Old Testament, I think when you say those words, I think of Joseph and I think of how much he was hurt and how he ended up being, I think it even says, paraphrasing, you, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Yes. Yeah. So did God intend for bad things to happen to him? I don't know the answer to that, but ultimately through his plan, it worked for good. And it was almost necessary that it happened. That's the terrifying part to me. Pain and suffering was necessary. And all through scripture, there's pain and suffering. Where's growth without pain? Anyone who follows Jesus dies. It's good to know. <laughs> well, here's a, a truth bomb. We're all going to die, just so you know. Oh, <laughs> I thought I had that eternal life, son. <laughs> um, yeah, Joseph. I'm just here to brighten your day. Joseph's a great example because not only did he forgive his brothers, he uh, actually rewarded them and he exalted yeah. them and he brought them in. And then he he... Like he had a moment of like understanding where they were. Like there was that bit of back and forth that they had. But like when it was all said and done, he was looking out for their for their better. And like if there's anybody justified in hatred, if you can justify being hateful towards somebody, I think Joseph was up there. He, he suffered a lot, a lot simply because his dad loved him more. And didn't use his position of authority as a weapon. No, he could have. In fact, he humbled himself for the greater good of all. Yeah. And I'm not putting him on a pedestal. I'm saying that God uses these examples in scripture to, to bring us up into that, to remind us when we struggle, remember this and look to that. And same with Job. I mean, I want to just punch every single friend he had in the face, but they were jerks. Yeah. Yeah. You got to forgive just, them though. I'm like, come on. Like I wish I was there, but who am I? Right. Uh, last verse I wanted to talk about with Psalms uh, 109.28, uh, let them curse, but you will bless. They arise, uh, they arise and are put to shame, but your servant uh, will be glad. Um, this is important because, uh, you know, it, it's that heap coals on their head verse. Hmm. Um, the reality is, and again, I'll use this example just because you're in the room. If, you, if we're live right now, everybody's watching. And you start talking a whole bunch of bad stuff to me, talking me down. And I sit here and I'm like, you know what, Dan? I hear you. I love you, buddy. See you later. Mm -hmm. Who 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 is blessed in that situation and who is cursed? You would be in that situation, right? Or vice versa if I did it to you. And and it's that, again, it's that respond in love. And it's it's almost like uh, it's like a double-edged sword because it's like, you know, I'm going to be nice to you because I know it sucks. Well, <laughs> it's there's power in restraint. Right. There's a lot more, and that's why, like, because, I mean, you work in this field where you're, it's, it's fighting, right? But there's a way to fight, and there's a way to show restraint. Well, yeah, there's definitely moments where you got to step back and think about 
what's going to happen in that situation yeah. and not just always jump in and, and throw, throw bombs uh, willy-nilly. Uh, why are my verses not in for this one? I guess I don't have any verses. Um, so next point I wanted to get into was Kanye West. Now, Kanye West is a hot topic of conversation. No. As per <laughs> usual. And a big reason that a lot of Christians are talking about him nowadays is that age-old question everybody wants to know. Is Kanye West actually saved? Is he actually a Christian? We all want to make that judgment and stop doing that. Like, stop. Like, I might use it as clickbait titles to bring you guys in because, you know, I'm selfish like that and I'm sinful. But in the, at the end of the day, it's not our place to say who is or is not saved. But it's really cool to see how somebody walks with God and their own journey and why it might be different and and some things that we can, lessons that we can pull from that and grow. Like, it's exactly what scripture is. Scripture is like looking at other people's lives and seeing how they interacted with God and then going, what are the virtue ethics I can pull from that and apply to my own life? So we talked about this last time, uh, David, murderer, you know, Moses, uh, he killed the guy, uh, Noah, you know, at the end of it kind of like got mad at the son was drunk. There's like, there's lots of reasons we can look at people in scripture and go, you're not saved. I see your fruits. You're not saved. And, and then we try to like say, you know, pull them out of that situation. But because they're in scripture, we accept it. But then when we see it in real life, somebody who claims that they're a Christian, and then we see them do this wild thing, we're like, ah, no, there's no way a Christian would do that. They're not. It's like, no, they're literally like every single person in the Bible. They're trying to follow God in the best way. They're doing the best they can. And then they fall short every single day. And, and we can look at that. We can look at Kanye. We can look at other people in, in the celebrity image, and we should be because that's what we do anyways. And then watching their walk with God and go, how can I learn from that? What, what knowledge can I pull from that? I feel like you got something to say. Well, I was just thinking it's exactly what we try to do in the church. We we're like, clean yourself up, mm -hmm. conform to my standards, and then you're cool. Unless you mess up, but you have to be this sort of image. Like you, That's why the it's funny. Like there's biker churches, right? But if you don't like bikers then you just assume they're not Christians because they're bikers. Oh no, they rode a motorcycle. How do you, how do you, how do you quantify that statement? Right. Cause I know a lot of bikers who are Christians and they're solid dudes and there's lots of ministries for bikers, but because it's offensive or abrupt or, or disruptive to you because it seems aggressive, that can't be Christianity. No, I just mean, I'm just picking on one judgmental aspect. Well, it's like, it's like those uh, Christians that say uh, dancing is of the devil, right? <laughs> I wonder how they'd feel about David dancing up the street in his underwear, uh, celebrating the fact that he's returning the ark home. And it's like he, he's going up and, and he's dancing around in his underwear. And he was even condemned by it about his wife. But are you going to tell me that David? Oh, that's different. David was, was a man after God's own heart. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to glaze over that part of it because it doesn't. It, it fits my narrative. Yeah, it's... Sorry, it, I'm just playing devil's advocate tonight. I, I, I hear you, but it, <laughs> and it, but it's very true. We're too quick to go, and I see it because I posted the Kanye West video, uh, uh, what was it, Wednesday, I think, and I seen the comments. I seen people saying, you know, uh, you know I don't trust it. I, I see him doing some things. You know, I hope he is saved, but really, is he? Like, I see your guys' comments. I know... I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. Now, I got a problem of thinking uh, a comment represents more people than it actually does. The reality is mm, yeah. it's not the truth. That's my own sin. That's my own flaw. 
but I see it. And, and the reality is we don't know. We can't claim we know. Um, we can look at the fruits, but even looking at the fruits, we all fall short of that. I'm not always kind. Am I not saved? Right? Like I'm not always patient. You, you've seen me drive. I'm not patient. Come in here. Somebody's driving slow. I got mad. Somebody was driving so slow in front of me the other day. I, I pulled out my phone, which I shouldn't have done. I took a picture of it, sent it to Abby. And I'm like, this freaking idiot. Like, am I not saved? That's, that's the reality of who I am. All right, I'm talking. We, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> can you lose your salvation bit? <laughs> uh, so this was, um, this was on Tucker Carson. I'm going to skip a little bit here. Uh, and this is the part I want to start. Uh, it was right here. Fashion week, you just landed, and you have a lanyard still on from it, and there's a photograph on it. What is that? It's a photograph of a baby's ultrasound. Why is that? And that you designed that? Yes. Why? What does that mean? Uh, it just represents life. I'm pro-life. Boy, so you wear it on a badge. What, what kind of response do you get? And, and good, amen. I agree. I don't care about people's responses. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point, that 50% of black death in America is abortion. So I really don't care about people's responses. I perform for an audience of one, and that's God. A freaking men. <laughs> how do you fight against that? How do you, how do you say that that... Bro's, bro's literally... Okay, bro lives in the most woke culture mm -hmm. known to man, and that is Hollywood. The most woke culture, the most liberal left-leaning culture, where if you even say that you are remotely pro-life, good luck getting work. Like, it, like it ain't happening. They're, they're going to try to cancel you for saying something like that. And he just stood up in front of everybody in the whole world and said, that's murder. This is why black people are dying is because you're, you're literally murdering them before they're born. And I don't care what you think because I serve one person and that is God. Amen to that, bro. Amen. I got, I got no complaints to that statement or anything like that. And that to me is an evidence when you're willing to stand up against the world, when you're willing to pick up your cross and follow Jesus, despite what the world says. And we're going to be talking about this later, Romans 12, two, where it says that you do not conform to the ways of the world, but instead you conform to God and his ways. This is a good sign. And and he's right. He's right. People don't want to talk about it. Is that the leading cause? If if you as a white dude said that same statement, would somebody say you're racist? Yes. Yeah. No. No doubt. No yeah. doubt about it. That's why I stopped talking right there. I'm like, is someone yeah. going to clip me and say that I'm racist? Right. Take you out of context. Trip. You know. Just slice that section out. Yeah. Say you're a Conway, Kanye West supporter, but omit all of this. Right. To and, deliberately and, cause hurt. And that happens all yeah. the time. So, and it's the same with all the other artists that are quote unquote um, Christians claiming like Justin Bieber. Right. You know, we're all over him. I mean, he's done really stupid things. And he's Who a hasn't? Canadian. And I'm like, man, you're not representing me as a Canadian, but I don't think he cares about me as a Canadian in mm. Canada. He's just some dude who lived near where I used to grow up. But, you know, he's out there doing it. And if he's saying some of the same things, am I supposed to be against him because he's done bad things? Bro, Kanye's done, like, look, I'm going to tell you guys, I won't tell you what it is because it's none of your business, but if I told you guys some of the things that I've done in my life, a lot of you guys would, gone, 
see, see you later. Um, and I'm sure that counts for a lot of us. Uh, we all have history. We've all done bad things. That is the point of repentance. I would say all of us, not a lot of us. All of us. I, I can't imagine anybody who doesn't have a secret sin that they don't want revealed. That's my challenge out there. I can't think of anybody who could possibly. I got a million. I got a, I got a million. Yeah. That, that's just... It's just the truth. Uh, Kanye, unfortunately, is a celebrity for a long time. And people want to know what celebrities are doing and what they're saying. So everything that he does, everything that he will do, will be documented. We'll all put it under a microscope. We'll all study it. We'll all judge it. But here's the thing. He's willing to stand in front of the whole world and say that you, what you are doing is wrong. You are killing children. Stop doing it. This is not of God. I'm for that. I'm sorry. I'm starting to see why they want to make you be quiet. Um, how, when did you start to feel this way? When did you start to realize this? I, I really felt like, I think I started to really feel this need to express myself on another level when Trump was running for office and I liked him yes. and every single person in Hollywood from my ex-wife to my mother-in-law to my manager at that time to you know my my so-called friends slash handlers around me told me like if i said that i like trump that my career would be over that my life would be over uh they and you're not going to say that there's there's um look freedom of speech means that the government cannot tell you that you cannot say the things that you want to do it has nothing to do with corporations and all these little little if somebody cannot speak because they're constantly worried about their livelihood, that they're worried that they might lose their job, that they're worried that their social uh, climate is going to change or that they're going to be ostracized or they can't participate in the things of our culture, like being on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, like, oh, it's just an app. Well, everybody uses it and it's part of our culture and it's how we transfer information towards each other. If all your standing of life is threatened, in the way that we live in culture, to speak on anything, you know, I support Trump and he's, he's afraid he's going to lose his livelihood and his career because he's going to speak on Trump. He doesn't have freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't care if it's a government law or anything. Societal pressure is way more strong than government dictating what you can and cannot do. The mob has more power than the government will every day. If everybody rose up and decided we're going to take down the government, do you think the government stands a chance? <laughs> no, actually. I think the government acquiesces to the mob. Yes. It may take longer, but they do it in the back doorway. Well, they, that, like, like all the bills for, for the internet law for censorship. The, the C11. Yeah. Right. That's all hidden and in the background and they're trying to do it. And then what do they do? They, they appeal to the mob. They say, we're doing it because we want this community to be put out more. We want more Canadian content being bought. For, just to give the context, we're talking about Bill C-11 in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, which is a law that gives the, uh, the Canadian government uh, the ability to dictate what is shown on feed. So it doesn't say that I can't upload. I can upload. But that means it might not show up on your feed if it's not deemed Canadian, Canadian. enough. Yeah. Right. So if I don't got a bottle of maple syrup, a Canadian flag in the back, hundred dollar bill in my hand, the, the monopoly money that we use <laughs> a freaking Canucks hat on and saying a all the time, then it's not Canadian enough. Or if I'm not speaking French or bilingual or not representing a first nations community, they may deem that this is not good enough. We want, we want this up in front. So 
they, they hide it. Now the government hides it behind the mob. They appeal to the mob because guess what, guys? The mob has power. So they say to the mob, they say, we're doing it because we want to give you guys a better platform because you deserve better representation. That's what they say. And therefore, then the mob backs it and they enforce it because here's the reality. If they said, we're the government and we actually want to control your speech and we want to control the things that you're saying, they know that the mob would rise up and take it down. So when you come at me with these things where you say, you know, they don't have freedom of speech or they do have freedom of speech because, you know, the government does shut up because <laughs> they don't have freedom of speech because the mob has said no. That's the real power. When the mob says no and then you cannot talk and you're scared because you're going to lose everybody your livelihood, you don't have freedom of speech. It's Sorry. an, it's an, well, somebody just said it's a different kind of weaponry. It's hidden weaponry. So I would say it's like, it's an invisible weapon. You yeah. know, like, like not showing you something is power. It's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to win an argument? Don't talk. Yeah. That, that's, uh, it's true. If you sit and don't talk and let the other person talk themselves into a hole, or if somebody, it's like somebody asks you a question and you don't respond, you're, mm -hmm. you're the one who has more power in that situation. And there's more Bible verses in Psalms about wisdom or Proverbs, sorry, uh, about wisdom in not saying something than there is about those. saying something. Yeah. It should be on my list of reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We keep going. Yeah. Stuff like people get killed for wearing a hat like that. They threaten my life. They put my life. They basically said that I would be killed uh, for uh, wearing the hat. I had a, a, someone call me last night and said anybody wearing a White Lives Matter shirt is going to be greenlit. And that means that they're going to beat them up if they wear it. And I'm like, you know, okay, green light me then. <laughs> you know, you know, God builds warriors in a different way. I don't know if it's because of me being a born in Atlanta and growing up on the south side of Chicago that, you know, he made me for such a, such a time like this. It's like with David, you know, he tended to the sheep, but while he was out there, he had to fight all kinds of animals. So when it was time for Goliath to come, he thought because he was a sheep herder that he didn't have the skill set to take down Goliath. And the thing that I have is the position, I have my heart, but the number one thing is we have God on our side. And for the people, even if you don't believe in God, God believes in you. So you made reference to the White Lives Matter t-shirt, mm -hmm. which you brought out at Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. Why, why did you do that and what did it mean? You know, I, did, I do certain things from a feeling. I like, I just, I just channel the energy, it just feels right. It's using a gut instinct, a connection with God, and just brilliance. You know, like as if you ask like Tanya Harding how she did the, the triple flip or the triple spin, yeah. she was in so much practice that when it was time for her to skate in a, in a, comp, in a competitive format, it just happened. Like it happened outside of practice. It happened in the real format. And that's what hap that's what's happening is God is like preparing us for the real for the real battles. And we are we are in a battle with the media. Like the majority of the media has a, a godless agenda. And the jokes are not working. This whole like, oh yeah, he's crazy and all these things, they don't work because the media has, you know, they've also 
watch travesties happen, just even specifically to me, and just watch it and act like it wasn't happening, and they stay quiet about it. Uh, what if they? So, what if? Well, they I want to answer the the white. Yeah. I, I feel like someone caught what I was saying, the comparison to Tanya Harden about the, the White Lives Matter. You know, my dad is an educated um, ex-Black Panther, and he put a text to me today. He said, White Lives Matter, ha, 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 ha. And I said, I thought the shirt was a funny shirt. I thought the idea of me wearing it was funny. And I said, Dad, what do you think it was funny? He said, just, just a Black man stating the obvious. And, you know, my dad doesn't listen to rap music, and he's, like, super educated. We, we opened up a water distribution center in the Dominican Republic together. He's like the original Steve Jobs, but he was getting blocked every which way with all of his ideas, and he didn't have uh, an endless bank account, and he didn't have an Instagram, so all these ideas, he had to, like, take them back and compress them. Like, my dad is the most brilliant person that I know, and we actually have a strained relationship because I was taken from him because my mom was an actress, so she was a liberal. And he just my dad would see certain things and say, you know, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. And the people got around my mom and pulled her away, much like, you know, Kim is a Christian, but she has people who want her to go to Interview Magazine and put her ass out while she's a 40-something-year-old multi-billionaire with four black children. And this is what, how fashion wants to, um, how they want to present her. So I know you give these, um, you get these questions and I give you like these three-part answers. Is this a cool format for you? Yeah, I love following? it. Okay, cool. And I am following it. All right. So you said, um, that your father said when he saw the shirt, White Lives Matter, it's great to see a black man stating the obvious. So, by which I think you meant that's obviously true. Yeah, that my favorite response, because I kept on thinking like, you know, people, they're looking for an explanation and people say, well, as an artist, you don't have to give an explanation, but as a leader, you do. Yes, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. So, the answer to why I wrote white lives matter on a shirt is because they do there's there's a there's a lot to un unpack there i wanted to get to the end point because the, the problem <laughs> the problem with kanye is he's like me he just rambles he's, well he goes down this road and then the curves hit and then he stops for a coffee and then he goes back and he comes back all over the map yeah he flies that plane for a hot minute um <laughs> yeah so one thing i wanted wanted to point out was uh you might not believe in god but god believes in you I thought that was, yeah. is that like an old saying? Has that been said before? Um, but when I heard him say that, it kind of like makes me sink into my chair a little bit. And it's like, oof, it's like, yeah, we got, we got God in our side. And whether you believe in him or not, you know, he, he, he's got you and he's, he's out for you at the end of the day. Another thing I wanted to kind of touch on was this, this, again, we're looking at, do we genuinely have freedom to do the things that we actually uh, believe in? it's hard because we have a lot of social pressure. Social pressure is a real thing. Uh, and it could be good and it could be bad. Uh, he claims that, um, the heck's her name? His wife, his ex-wife? Kim. Kim, yeah. Uh, Kim is a Christian. And well, what do we see now? We see in the fruits, we see her going for divorce and, and then uh, dating for fun without the intention of marriage. And then we see, um, you know, 
the influence of of the community saying you know put your body on display and all this and i'm not saying that she is or is not saved but there is the reality that in the in the media that this is what they deem as what we should be doing things and and there is influence on that there's this thing called propaganda that is a real thing that has been used forever to tell people how to behave and how to act or and how to conform uh, to society. Uh, basically, they want you to think a certain way and, and they put it in media or they don't want you to believe in certain things and they, and they cut it off. And we see it all the time. We see... There's a mathematical formula to propaganda. Is there? You can literally... It's a science, I should say. Not a mathematical formula, but the military perfected it. Oh, yeah. Mostly on the other side from us. <laughs> Well, we see um, we see people talking about propaganda in the media, like in China, in Russia, and we say, "Oh, look at the propaganda happening over here." And then we're so content to be like, "We're not getting any propaganda." We're actually just blind to our propaganda, yeah, because it's just veiled in cultural norm stuff. <laughs> like, watch any commercial right now, yes, and you'll have almost every single stereotypical woke thing happening in it. Oh, yeah. Wokeness. Wokeness is definitely growing uh, simply because of influence. Um, I was watching. I watched a live last night, a friend's live, and he was debating somebody who said, uh, you know, Christianity's false and all this. And then they got into an argument about the historical context of the Bible. And I listened to this person angrily. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to this person say to my friend, um, you know, the Bible's been changed a million times. And my friend goes, when was it changed? Oh, you don't know that? Well, show me where it's changed. Oh, that's just, no, we, everyone knows that. That's history. Okay, but can you show me where it was? Well, how, do you not, how are you a Christian and you don't know that? Oh, you know that it's been mistranslated. Okay, what was mistranslated? What do you mean you don't know? It was, you know it and then they said something along the lines. It's like, you know that everybody worships on Sunday because it comes from the sun God, which is on Sunday. And it's like, okay, for one, that's English. It probably didn't sun and Sunday weren't how it was in Greek, uh, where it came from. And they're like, they were so confident and believed this. And you know why, you know why they believe this? Not because they did research, not because they studied, but because of social pressure, because we see in media all the time, Oh, Christianity stolen from paganism. Give me one bit of evidence that actually was any bit of evidence. And nobody actually can when you, when you bring that forward to them. Anytime somebody brings an argument to me and they use the term, many people have said, or I've heard it from multiple sources, I ask who. And, no, and if, no. they, if they can't name more than you know five, seven, ten, it's you. It's not your multiple sources. Maybe your own little circle, but that's not, I've heard from many people. So if there's a you know a charge against you or somebody has a problem with you and yes. like, everybody in this group or church or whatever band whatever scenario uh, sports team um, thinks this, and I'll say okay well let's go to them oh no no we don't have to I've already had that conversation no no I'm gonna challenge you now to say you got to prove it to me and usually either unless they're they're a trustworthy source and they're like let's go and then you know they're probably telling the truth. They're lying because it's just easier to lie. Well, they they also just believe their lies too. Mm -hmm. and they just believe it as fast. It's like um, you say it enough times, it becomes true. Yeah, it's yeah. that uh, six spider. You remember that 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 came out. Everybody eats six spiders a year when they're sleeping. 
Oh you, yeah, yeah. You it's heard like that. a cultural myth or something. I don't know. Well, mind you, we have a lot of spiders that fall on us while we're talking that's true. here. <laughs> well, that uh, that was actually university uh, created that, invented it, and put it out to see if people would believe it. Right. And then it, I, I still hear people say, you know, we. It's like okay, with the data has actually been put out. That's not true. People don't actually research. Mm-hmm. They they parrot or they just think, and then they think it's true, and then they they cite sources that are unrealistic, just like. Uh, that you're saying. Now, the other point I wanted to touch on here was the White Lives Matter t-shirt. I love the heart behind this. The reason he did White Lives Matter is because it's true. White Lives Matter. And, and let's be real. If you're white nowadays, um, you're, you're a villain to, to, the, to the woke culture. Uh, you're seen as that way unless you've, unless you've conformed to the, to, to, um, the woke mob in a way and then you're you're a subordinate um that must appeal to everything that they say and you have no opinion on anything because you're not nobody in that culture so i love the heart where he says white lives matter and and he's he's trying to like he uses uh you know black babies are being aborted and then he goes white lives matter and what i see here is i see somebody who recognizes human is human no matter how much melatonin you have in your skin no matter what your stage of development is you are a human there is no more value or less value we are all equal in god's eyes galatians 5 6 i think that was actually the verse was it 5 6 where it says there is either uh there is neither male nor woman there is neither free man nor slave uh, neither jew or greek nor neither jew nor greek yeah. uh, for we are all one in christ jesus and it mm-hmm. seems like he recognizes that i i love the heart behind it now here's where i'm actually going to go against kanye i disagree with the method um the white lives matter now i don't support the corporation of black lives matter but i understand the heart behind the protest right when you perceive whether it's true or not i'm not here to make the claim when you perceive that the 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 police force in your country uh has been more more violent towards people of color and then you raise a protest to that i think you have every right to do that and and i support your right to do that to state that hey our lives matter too and it shouldn't be going against us and again i'm not making a claim on whether it's true or not i know i've heard the data i've heard the information on both sides uh, i don't have i don't have enough information in my head but i support the idea of the protest now the corporation that that handled it i absolutely don't support them and what they did so where i disagree with kanye is a protest to a protest right so the first person i heard that from was Joyner Lucas, when he did um, uh, that song where it was like a conservative ver- uh, white man versus uh, um, a black man and they, and they rapped against each other. I forget the name of the song, what the song was. Mm. And he said, that's a protest to my protest. What the heck was that? What, what is up with that? And that hit me. That hit me deep because that's true. When you go all lives matter and you go white lives matter, you're saying what you guys are protesting against is, uh, is irrelevant and unimportant. Um, so I, I, I love the heart on what Kanye did. Did I disagree uh, with the method um, because I understand a lot of people's heart in the in the BL, BLM movement is is true. But again, I'm completely against the corporation that that put that together. I'm looking forward to the Cadence Owens um, documentary she's putting out on that. Did you oh, see that? Oh, Cadence Owens, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And anything, pretty much anything Matt Walsh puts out, I, I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is uh, he is so good. How are we doing on time? What time do we have here? It's 11.30. 11.31. All right, so we're going to finish the Kanye, and then I, I want to touch on uh, what we were 
really going to focus on tonight? It's the obvious thing. Yeah. Why, why do you think that's so, and, and I assume the implication is, of course, all lives matter because they're lives, because God created them. Yeah. Why do you think that that would be considered controversial? Because the same people that have stripped us of our identity and labeled us as a, as a color have told us what it means to be black and the vernacular that we're supposed to have. My dad grew up as a military brat and his family moved around, but they were based mostly in Delaware. And at the time, if he, if he wasn't, if they weren't the only black family, they were one of the few. And he would be discriminated against because he was black. So by the time he got into college, he would be discriminated against. He went to a black college. He would be discriminated against because they said he talked too white. Yes. And then he played the kick drum in the band. So when he would go to the club and the music was playing, where would he clap his hands? Where the kick drum is. Yeah. So it was the opposite of where everyone else right, exactly. was clapping their hands. <laughs> and uh, this is the most elegant and tasteful person that I know. And when my mom, when, they, when, when the school suggested, like the hurting systems, because what they do is take the, um, the black community and they separate us. And they separate the families and the educated, uh, they, they, you know, they push this, you know, need for higher education. And us as blacks, we discriminate against each other and say, well, I got my PhD and you don't have your PhD, so I'm better than you. And so my mom, she had a PhD and she was influenced to uh, move to the south side of Chicago and take this job at Chicago State University. And she told my dad, if you come, if you come for us, you know, you'll never see him again. Because, you know, the media ridiculed me for getting the house next door to Kim to see my children. And they even said that I was stalking her and her new boyfriend because I bought the house next door to see my children. And I, that's, that's how I knew that, that, uh, that my mom had said that to him. I said, Dad, you know, they moved us to one of the most dangerous, agreed upon to be one of the most dangerous places in the world. It's almost like they tried to kill me or something. Uh, I said, Dad, why didn't you ever, why'd you never come to get us? And that's when he told me, that's when he told me that she was told that. You know, there's so many things that are put in Kim's head. You know, they bring influencers. Like I, I think he, he kind of rambled off from the point I actually wanted to make. Uh, the last point I wanted to touch on, you want to know, you want to know the secret on stopping racism uh, is uh, Morgan Freeman said it. Stop talking about it. That, that's, that, that's, that's the reality. That's how you stop uh, a racism is you make it part of the cultural norm that your race is not part of the conversation point blank period. Right? And I know I'm going to get flack for this. Um, I, I know it, but the, the, I got to speak to what I believe is true. You know, when you look at somebody and you say that they can't wear a certain uh, article of clothing or a certain hairstyle or they can't say certain things or speak in a certain manner or do a certain type of music because it's appropriating, uh, what you're doing is you're, you're creating racism.
because you're, you're surrogating yourself, right? Because you'll say, that's my culture. Well, is it your culture or is it your skin color? You mean segregating? Segregating, sorry. <laughs> um, is it your culture or is it your skin color? Because right. if it's culture, any skin color can be part of a culture. You can be part of a culture and you should actually look to grow your culture and to have it be part of the world. Uh, despite who you are, that is literally how you get rid of racism when everybody is welcome in every single culture. Well, I, I grew up in Toronto Yes. in the 70s and 80s in school. And if you look at my school photo, I'm the minority. I never thought of it. Never thought about it at all. Well, when I grew up in the Yukon, right, and I, I don't, I grew up in Whitehorse, so it's the capital of the Yukon. So I don't, I wouldn't want to say that um, I was minority there. I wasn't. I would actually say it was uh, even uh, First Nations people uh, to white people. Um, but here was here was my experience: is I grew up in. Uh, so I wouldn't say I grew up. I'm going to say I, I worked in in a club that was primarily First Nations people. Uh, I, I think there is some points there where I was the only white person on staff and the vast majority of the people in, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the club were first nations people in that community and people would still come in. And when I would ID them, they would ask me if I was IDing them because I was racist right? or they would say that I was, um, kicking people out of the bar because I was racist. Why are you kicking me out? It's because you're racist. You don't like the color. I remember, remember very distinctly when I was like 19, 20 years old, uh, I, I walked up to this very young looking girl came into the bar and I've seen her walking. I was standing towards the back. I wasn't at the door at the time. So I had to meet her halfway through the club. And, uh, and I said to her, I'm like, can I see your ID please? Cause she was young looking. And she said, why are you asking me? And I'm like, because you're young looking. And she's like, oh, it has nothing to do with the color of my skin. And I'm like, it, it didn't even cross my mind. So I, I lived in this culture that, again, I don't think the whole community, the town would make me a minority because it wasn't. But the, the circles that I were in, I was definitely a minority in those circles. And it never crossed my mind to think, you know, I was outlier, I was different, I was, you know, not fitting in until people started pointing out the fact that I was white and that that's the only time that I noticed it. So there, there is racism on all levels. Now I, I, I do believe in white privilege. I do believe white people control the country. I do believe in those type of things. Uh, I believe those are true, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, it, it, it exists on all levels and the way that you stop it from happening is, is you get rid of it. You don't look at a person and automatically assume that the reason they believe what the reason that they're doing what they're doing is because they're racist. Uh, you don't look at, you don't look at people in different groups. You look at people's people, you know, you're not a white person. You're not a black person. You're not, you're not, you know, brown person. You're just a person. Now you might have a culture or a community that's your, that you're part of, and you're absolutely allowed to be part of that community and represent. I'm not talking about conformity to the whole culture. I'm just saying, the pigmentation, the melanonin that, that is on you is a completely irrelevant to how any of us should treat each other, point blank period, and that's how you get rid of it. it well, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm going back in my past and picturing who my best friends were at the time. And I did like G.I. Joe and stuff like that with them, which was very white American. Um, and my best friend was Korean. My other one was from Trinidad and Tobago. And my third friend was German. 
<laughs> what a weird conglomeration of friends. I didn't grow up going, oh, they're different from me. I mean, they look different, but I didn't think about it the way culture almost wants you to think about it. There wasn't like, it wasn't like their culture and your culture. You can't say certain things around each other. You can't wear that person's clothing. Your clothes is just, you're just people you hung around with. There was no pre-qualifier for, oh, keep in mind, they're from Trinidad and Tobago. So they're different, right? It, it was just my next door neighbor and we went and played war in the backyard. That's about as far as I thought about it. And my Korean friend taught me how to say a few words to say hi to his grandma. But language, but I, you know, it's just funny when I think back that long ago, how different everything and diverse everything actually was. But like you said, we didn't talk about it and it wasn't a problem. So I'm just sort of validating what you were saying before. Yeah, but people would disagree. They'd probably say during your time, it was the biggest problem. That's, that's the argument that I'm seeing nowadays, that they're trying to get rid of that. And they're trying to get rid of this uh, uh, this suppression that's happening in, in the culture and the community. But then again, our experiences might be different because we're Canadian. But I, I don't think our cultures are too far different than what's going on in the United but States. But Leave it to Beaver was American. And that was as, as pasty white as you can get. It was Everything was like Goody Two-Shoes, Eddie Haskell, and, you know, the Beav. Um if you think about it, everything on television was like that until you got to True. sort of the late seventies and Mr. Jefferson and, and all in the family. And like, there were some pretty bad shows on TV, right? you know, like, and I'm not about to do a deep dive on that for this. I'm just saying culturally, yeah, there was some things happening on TV and, you know, sitcoms and that were, were starting to touch on topics because it was, you know, the Vietnam war was happening and, you know, and we came out of that. So it was, it was a tenuous time. But it wasn't, it wasn't all about that. The way if you just look on our feed or go on YouTube or whatever, Twitter, well, it's all about all the worst possible scenarios, and well, they're all hashtags. It's like the Little Mermaid thing. Everybody's arguing about her skin color. It's like it's like oh she should she should still be white. Shouldn't it be trans. Oh it's good that it's black. It's good representation. And here's you know what I think about it. I don't care. It's the Little <laughs> yeah. Mermaid. It's exactly. the Little Mermaid. Why? Why would me as a grown man care about how the Little Mermaid is presented? I'm not going to rush to theaters to watch that movie. Nope. Why are you all debating about it? The children who watch that movie don't care. Nope. They don't care. If now I get it, the, the agenda behind it. I see what people are saying. They're going, uh, oh, you know, it, they can't be changing it. It's unfair. It's unjust. It's a double standard. Why are you all? Why are you all arguing about the Little Mermaid? Like, it's like, well, and Elizabeth said on here that the seventies was a big time of change. I totally agree with that. I wasn't there. The sixties was a big time of change. It was like, we're done with this. And the Jesus movement came out in California, Mm. came out around that time. And I was born in 73. I don't remember a lot of the seventies. I was just a a young kid, but um, yeah, there was a lot of change culturally, clothing, everything, everything was in upheaval. Um, Yeah, it's, but I never, ever would have thought that we would get to what we're going to show now. So with that being said, uh, <laughs> good segue. Uh, <laughs> the, the next thing I want to talk about, and holy crud, if there's a reason I'm going to get canceled, it's going to be talking about this. Um, penny cost. Uh, play on words, the Pentecostal uh, drag queen pastor. Not our words. It's on the video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just quoting here. Yeah. Um, so an, an official like a pastor for I think it's a Methodist church um, and and 
there's I'm going to talk more about it when we get into it and what bothers me and why because it's not actually specific the drag queen aspect it's everything that's surrounding it and, and we're going to break that down uh, but first this video the indoctrin look oh, this bugs me um, everybody always tells me all the time if you have kids you should not indoctrinate them into your religion, right? I just put this video out today. Some of you guys might've seen it. Don't indoctrinate your kids into religion. Allow them to become a certain age and then they can make that decision for themselves because you shouldn't be forcing it down their throat, throats. And that's actually considered a form of child abuse. And I've had somebody literally say that. But then I see drag your kid, uh, what is it? Drag your kid to, what was it? Day, something day? I don't know which one drag your kid to trans day or something like that. And then, um, I see, I've literally seen, uh, sexual drag queen dancing in front of children. Oh, like, yeah. Like the pole dancing on yes. location stuff. The yeah. pole dancing, children pole <clears throat> Teach dancing. Teach kids how to pole dance. Right. And, and like, you're going to come at me for indoctrination. Like this, this is indoctrination by definition. I seen a video a whole video where it was, it was, it was the choir. It's a big choir that saying, we're going to come for your children. Yep. Right. And it's like, so I'm not, I'm not saying you can't teach your kids what you believe. If you were, if you were part of that community and you truly believe it to be truth and you teach your kids that that's fine because who am I to say you can't because I believe what I believe and I'm going to teach my kids what I believe and I'm going to teach that it's true. I'm not going to force it on them. I'm not going to tell them they have to do it because I want them to believe it in their heart to be true. And if you hold that same viewpoint, who am I to tell you that you can't? But then when you look at me and say that don't teach your kids religion while you're going out and trying to teach every kid about your community and what's going on, there's a double standard there. Yeah, and I was going to say that the pole dancing thing that you're seeing nowadays and we're thinking, man, this is like a new phenomenon. This is terrible. Do you remember the Super Bowl <laughs> a few years back where no. there was pole dancing during the halftime show? And I forget the artist, but well-known artist, female artist. And I think the artist was in their 40s or 50s, but that was part of the act. Was it Madonna? No, it wasn't Madonna. I, somebody can help me out. I, I remember going, uh-oh, and I'm trying to click it off really quick because it was just unnecessary. It was just because they could. You didn't, you didn't tune into the Super Bowl to watch pole no, dancing. No, no. And again, I'm a rock and roller. I love rock and roll. Yes. But I think when you're doing a large event where millions and millions of people are watching, pick something sort of middle of the road. going to appeal to pretty much any audience, including children. Well, imagine if they're, imagine at the middle of the Super Bowl, they stopped and preached a service. Right. How, how much of an uproar there would be on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that would just that would go through the roof but no that that was okay that was a stand anyways yeah. i'm rambling i want to get into this video and, and i'm going to talk about why it bugs me we're grateful that you're here with us do either of you have any questions for miss pentecost i like your eyeshadow oh thank you <laughs> yeah you like her eyeshadow that's great yeah yeah maybe she'll let you borrow it when you're older like when you're this. allowed to wear makeup yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world, uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today 
may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to to change into something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes, that that we're supposed to live differently. Uh, So I'm so thankful that you're here with us. As am I. Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we give you thanks uh, that you have sent us Miss Pentecost and you have called her to a life of service and preaching and pastoring and taking care of your people. We pray, God, that today the words that she might share with us in a bit uh, might challenge us to live differently when we leave this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, that, that, where do you begin with that? Okay. Uh, where, do I, where do I start? So... For my research, first things first, my, and again, I'm going to claim uh, it, this, this person is not like super famous. It was hard to find information on, on penny costs. Uh, but in my research, from my, my understanding, is that they're agnostic at best. So they're not even claiming a faith or a belief or an absolute trust in God. And then they're they're going to step into pastoral services. And you want to talk about cultural appropriation right like at least believe the thing that you're preaching on if if you're going to bastardize i can't even say that word i i i was trying to remember because it happened quickly but did the other pastor say in jesus name we pray amen i i could have sworn i heard that i think so yeah 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 i'm not i don't know his his personal belief right Uh, but 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 he was presented he she whatever was presented um, as if they're in line with the pastor who's praying because it's they're welcomed onto the platform. That's what we would say as leaders in a church, that if we've given you a microphone, we're okay with you. So you can make the assumption that there is a claim of that. Well, they um, they made made her a pastor, right at this mm-hmm. at this church. So that that's that's another thing. Um, now. First thing I want to touch on is why did the children have to be there? Why did they need to be at the forefront? Why did they have to be part of that conversation? What was the ultimate goal in bringing children into this this scenario? Now, this this is kind of big reason I want to bring it up. Why the children? Now, I, I can I can hear I can hear the trolls. I can hear them in the distance. <laughs> I can hear them screaming. I can hear them saying things of like, well, you guys do the same thing with your children and, 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 and all that. Yes, but do you guys not understand that this is sexual? Right? I, I, you have to know that it's sexual. Why dress up? Why, why do you have to do that? If you, even if you want to identify as, as someone else, this is grandiose. Like if, they, you're, you're offending females dressing, penny, you know, penny over, cost, overdoing it. Pentecost isn't trans, right? This is not a person that claims that they're, they're uh, male to female, which is a whole nother animal. This is a person who is male, claims to be male, and then personifies as drag. So, right? so, and again, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow that to know, under, understand what that means, but I would assume that... Um, it's it's a representation of wanting to transform into something. So trans by default. But I'm making an assumption. 
So drag is not trans. Drag is just drag. It's almost like another. So is drag a a form of expression or is it a new gender? From my understanding, trans isn't transitioning. That That's a misconception. Uh, trans means to identify as something else. Uh, by the by, the core def. I'd have to look it up yeah. uh, on what it was. This is just total ignorance. I'm not trying to claim no and, anything. And we're we're like we're not part of the community, and this is no. not a state of judgment. This is just trying to understand and trying to see. Um, from my understanding, drag has has been and always has been um, a performance, a theater of of men dressing up as women, uh, a. In a sexual way, and and portraying that, and putting on a performance, and you go to drag shows and things like that. I don't think that this was a standard of just going out and hanging out. And I'm again, I'm speaking out of ignorance. I don't know. Me but, too, because I think of I think of Shakespeare. Yes, old Shakespeare, when all the actors were male, so the men had to act as women, so they had to dress up as women. Yeah, because there was no women actors. That would, I it guess... looks similar to me, except grandiose, right? The now that that's one aspect of it. I don't I don't have anything, you know, if you're you're a person in drag, whatever, that's cool. That's your life. It doesn't bother me. You do you. I got nothing against you. Um And thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, we're we're just trying to figure that out. Trans is not drag. No, it's not. Yeah. So thanks for that. Um what really gets to me is the children involved and then the absolute and utter destruction of Romans twelve. Or is it 12 there? <laughs> I think it's 12. Because so. uh, that was absolutely taken out of context and absolutely gross on what it was used for. The, the, the way that pastor used Roman 12 was to tell us that we should be whoever we want to be and be free in that and live out our life and not conform to the ways of the world. So if you want to dress up uh, in drag, that that's fine. And that's yeah. what they're saying that verse is for and that he's God is to a free our mind and it and if you actually read the verses it is quite the opposite of what what uh so I'm just going to read it for you guys I think it's important too yeah therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. That's the part they took out of context. So, And this is the part that he just so happened to leave out. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is not him saying that you can not conform to the world and be whoever you are and be free. This verse is saying the exact opposite. This is saying whatever you are, whatever the world says you should be, any way that you want to live is unacceptable. The only way to live is God's way and that you should conform to God's will and that you should live out his laws and you should present yourself as if you're presenting God himself. Mm -hmm. You should be in the image of Christ. That is what this verse is saying. This is not liberating, be free, do whatever you want. It's actually the opposite. This is saying die to self, do not do everything that you want and do exactly what God wants. Live in his will. I think you got something pulled up there. Yeah, no, I'm just I just pulled up what you're talking oh, about. Oh, the same one. Yeah. But it's by the mercies of God present yourself your bodies as a living sacrifice. So, and it, it's not for your purposes at all. 
it, no. It's, so it is the opposite. Yeah. It, it, it's and, and, the, and the renewal of the mind is supposed to be to be transformed away from the things that they want to do by default. What what's getting me about this whole thing is like, okay. You, you want me to be loving and accepting of your culture and, and this movement and things like that. That's, that's cool. I can, I can be that. I can be loving and accepting of you as a person 110% every day of the week. But then you want to take it a step further and you don't want to be loving and accepting of who we are, who we identify, our religion, and what we hold to. You actually want to take it, twist it, and use it for your own your own desires and the things that you want to do and you don't actually want to represent it properly. You want the best of both worlds. Not only do you want us to conform to your ways, you want to destroy what we believe in and make it ultimately conform to you. What you're not, what you're... It's a hijacking. It's a hijacking. What, What the community claims is that they want loving and exception and and everybody to accept each other no matter who they are what they believe in and they do and i'm for that except us (laughs) yes yes (laughs) it's it's everybody who agrees with us (laughs) but then when somebody comes around and and then that disagrees to a certain extent um then it's like it's like no, we're not going to be loving and accepting of you. Now, I, I'm going to come at Christians a little bit here just so I can I can be transparent and understand that we're not perfect. There's a lot of you guys handling this bad, really bad, uh, where you're protesting uh, their lifestyle and the way that they're living and you're condemning it and you're, and you're bringing them down. And I want to remind you what we said earlier. The only true thing that is good is forgiveness. That is the only true thing that is good. There is no condemnation to anything. Oh, I have a right to judge righteously. Yeah, show me one of you that is righteous. Show me one of you that actually has a standard to judge righteously. I, I... Well, and if I can go a step further on the forgiveness part, the only thing that's good is the cross because the cross represents forgiveness. Yes. Ultimate forgiveness, yeah. which is sacrificial. We didn't earn it. You know, it, it was good given for us we didn't we actually send him to the cross and he still forgave us so it's not just forgiveness like i'll forgive you because you did something bad to me no this is like death sacrifice on our behalf it's, it's a lot more than just simple i forgive you man for being an idiot it's it's literally dying for that person yeah like if i'm willing to take a bullet for you are you dan are you willing to take a bullet for me i would say so i appreciate it buddy yeah. I take a bullet for you too. Um, but that, and, and we talked about this last uh, live too, when Jesus was on the cross, he says, forgive them father. They do not know what they do. The people who mocked him, insulted him, nailed him to the cross. Like the, the ultimate people who were worth uh, condemnation from the only person who could actually give it. The only person who's justifiable to do it. The only one who could actually judge righteously said, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And it was his own people that were, incited to do so they were that was the mob of the day and it was their own people saying kill him kill him like if you say it enough people just oh i guess somebody's saying kill him okay yeah let's go kill him you know (laughs) well that was a theater back then (laughs) was public execution well yeah but that's literally what happened it's like somebody goes oh everyone else is saying he should die i have no idea what he did but yeah let's yeah he should die that's pretty much how it probably went 
oh, in, yeah. in the greater community of the, well, the Jews of the day. Releasing Barnabas. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. The, that was wild. Why, why do you think they all cheered, you know, release Barnabas? Because that was the mob. They all conformed to the mob. So us yeah. as Christians, we're no better. Yeah. We, we, often, we often do this too. So, I, like, look, I'm going to call out everybody. That, that, that's what I do. I call out everybody. Everybody calls out me. I, I, what what this, this person, this Pentecost is doing is gross. Uh, not to the fact that this person is drag and lives in that community. That's fine, right? What I'm saying is the absolute destruction of our our religion, the absolute uh, con- changing the context, the meaning of what we believe in and using it as a weapon, um, that is the part that's gross. It's not honoring in what we believe in. And if this was any other community or culture, uh, you would have been canceled for doing so. And it's what really gets me is I really could care less. And actually Matt Walsh talks about this a lot. You could do whatever you want to do in your own home. Yeah. I could care less. Fill your boots. But don't present this to my kids. This isn't this isn't gonna happen. That's not okay. And then normalizing it so well when if you grow up with a certain environment, it tends to just become normal, right? And that's part of the agenda of some is they want to normalize it. Oh, and and they do that by by manipulating uh, the youth, right? They want to change uh, the youth's mind in, in all those things. Um, Which so, goes back to our propaganda conversation. Right. And and again, teach your own children whatever you want, right? Whether you're part of that community or you're part of our community, they are your children and that is your right. That is your God-given right, uh, is to teach your children in your ways. Now, I may not agree with it. You might not agree with our, our ways, but that is the standard outside of actual abuse. Um, you know, like, like you said, fill your boots. Now, give me two seconds here um, to find where I was going to go on this next. Now I wanted to show this next part because I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear what Pentecost was actually preaching on. And, and I'm going to show you what I mean by like, they actually absolutely destroy, uh, destroy scripture and what it means. And I think it was Matthew 20. They, they were going into, and it's, it's about the cross and what Jesus did. So starting here at uh, about 4.15 in, in the service, because everything before that was just self, self, um, you know, I'm great. That's what, that's what this person was Self-affirmation. Doing. Affirmation, yeah. yeah. And then this is actually them breaking down the verse. So let's look at that. Yes, sir. In Mark 15, Christ is laughed at, told he is nothing but a lie, told that he is um, that his mystery is wrong and that he is unworthy of life. It is said that when Christ was arrested, he was clothed in a purple robe and given a crown of thorns that was pressed into his head. This was all a jest at his identity. One soldier laughs, hail the king of Jews. Christ was told his secret should make him tremble. And a few verses later, upon witnessing the power and liberation that came at the crucifixion, a soldier cried out in awe, surely this is the child of God. The death of Christ's secret for humanity gave way to a new life gave hope for those carrying their own inherited shrouds of secrecy. 
Christ's mystery was celebrated in glowing light and tongues of fire and a promise for all people, a promise that the divine love and grace shall dwell within them no matter what. Your identity is not a sin. Your identity is not punishable. Your identity deserves to be celebrated and loved and cared for. I am really a... It's a talk show. I got to talk. <laughs> um, are you are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right now, are you gonna are you gonna take Jesus going to the cross, being humiliated, uh, being mocked, being tortured, having the crown of thorns put in his head, to have that purple robe put on him, uh, being laughed at, is saying that we can identify? as whatever we want. That's what it's saying is that your identity is not a sin. What you identify is that is not the scripture. That is not the gospel. That's opposite of the gospel. The gospel says your identity is messed up. Your identity is sinful. Not you specifically, all of us, mine, Dan's, Mm -hmm. yours, every single one of our identities messed up. So therefore identities should not be in self, but our identity instead should be in him. In Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. That if you trust in Him, not trust in yourself, you shall be saved. What is that? John three sixteen, most famous verse ever. That for whoever believes in the Son, that God so loved the earth that He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is this is this is almost as bad as when uh, oh, I'll say His name. I don't care, um, Brandon. And for for you guys who don't, you guys. Anybody who watched me, you probably know who I'm talking about when I say Brandon said, he said uh, that Jesus, when he told, he told Lazarus to come out of the house after he rose him from the dead, uh, was Lazarus coming out of the closet. He's giving him the freedom to do that. It's an absolute destruction of scripture. Like this is my issue with it is you were taking my faith and my religion and completely twisting around where the religion that I believe in, the faith I believe in says my identity sucks that my identity should be in Christ and that's the only thing that is good and you're tearing it apart so that it's all about you and it's all about why it's okay for me to be exactly who I am, why I should never die to self, why whatever I feel is okay, I'm justified in everything that I do and everything that I believe. It's completely opposite to what all the Bible says and it makes me wonder if you guys even read the dang thing. Like, at all because there's nothing in scripture ever that makes me believe that anybody at all except Jesus himself did not have to change to who they were did not have to die to self it's 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 ridiculous and it's dangerous and I'm talking about that now I'm I don't often go like into the too too much of the spiritual side uh, because I understand I have a wide audience but when we're talking about the actual, if, you know, if what I believe is true and I believe it's true and we're talking about people's eternal souls, that, that is dangerous. I forget the verse. You might, you might know it. The one that says, um, not everybody is called to be a teacher, uh, and you will be judged harder for it. Yeah. If, if you, if you pursue that role, it's a noble task, but it's a hard one. 
I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, well, Timothy, Titus, there's lots of leadership verses about that. Um, the one statement, I can't remember the exact wording, but basically is your identity, and they mean what they're trying to push, is not punishable. It's, it's trying to pre-qualify that we're not okay with the Old Testament. If you're saying that, you're not okay with the fact that the Old Testament says that it's an abomination. What they're trying to accomplish. You, you, you either believe in it or you don't. And if you, if you don't believe in it, who am I to tell you that, that I believe you should because I believe God is real. I believe Jesus is real. I believe that is the only way to heaven. But, you know, you can't be convinced of what you're not convinced. Okay, so, but if, you, if you're going to claim, if you're going to claim it, you're going to claim that, that you believe it, you're going to claim that it's true, then don't destroy it. The, the, I'm going to go a little bit, pull back a little bit from the spiritual side. The best thing about scripture is it transcends us. Whether God is real or not, let, let's just pretend for the sake of this conversation, we're just talking about cultural purposes. Scripture in itself transcends us because the point of it is that it cannot be changed. That, that's, the, that's the purpose. That is the point. That what was true 5,000 years ago is true now. When we start to go into Scripture and we start manipulating it and twisting it and perverting it to say exactly what we want it to say or removing things that we think, oh, that's no longer you know relevant because our culture has changed, then it no longer transcends you. You transcend it. And then when you transcend it, you become the thing that's worthy of worship. And then when you become the thing of worthy, worthy of worship, have you met you? I've met me. I'm not worthy of worship. I don't transcend anything. I'm just me. So when you start dictating all of the changes, all of the laws, and, and nothing, again, transcends you, where does this lead? What have we seen from history for people that have believed that they're better than all? We've seen... Uh, what what are they called? Um, monarch, mon, not monarchs. Um, when it, when ty- tyranny, we've seen tyranny. Mm. That's the word I was looking for. We've seen tyranny. Like you, there's there's a video of of Hitler watching. I, I don't know a sports events or sport event or something, <clears throat> and he's sitting there with his people around him. And he's got his gun out for no re- there's no reason. He's he's surrounded by his people. He's not in danger. And he was rubbing himself with it in a perverted in a perverted way in front of everybody. That man thought he transcended everybody, thought he was above everybody else, right? And look at the, look at the dangers and the thing that he had. There there is there is power in submitting yourself to something. And that that is the point of God is that we submit ourselves to God. That's what we believe. But you know, for the sake of argument, to to appeal to the masses. We submit, or if we were just submitting ourselves to an ancient book, we're still submitting ourselves to something, something that transcends ourselves. And that means that no matter how high you get in the hierarchy of the church, there is no top. You can't get to the top. You can't be the, the best. Um, I'm going to use a Jordan Peterson quote again here. He said there was a, a king of a culture. I don't know what culture it was. 
that uh, once a year he had to strip himself naked in front of all of his people, right? Someone smack him across the face or something with a glove. I don't remember exactly how it goes. He had to strip himself naked in front of all of his people and he had to confess every sin that he did and everything that was wrong in front of everybody. He had to submit himself to the mob's authority. He had to realize that he's not God. So when you look at scripture and you tear it apart, you are saying that you are God and you have the ability to change everything. And that is the most dangerous view in the world. Because if you already have the mentality of I'm God, and a lot of people have that mentality, I'm my own God and I don't need God. Imagine you in, with power. You already think you're God. What are you going to do? You th- I've heard people say this too. It's like, I would do God's job much better. No, you wouldn't. There's not a single person in history who had power, who wasn't corrupted in some sort of way and did something that was grotesque. You have anything to add before I get to the verses? Uh, well, I was just going to go to the verse because I was going <laughs> to make mention of it related to the video. So the uh, so there's a few verses I wanted to uh, get into, and then we're going to open it up for anybody who has questions, anybody who wants to have to talk. The first verse that I was looking at was uh, Galatians 5.24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You've died to self. That's what it means. You know, when you're crucified, you're dead, right? So you crucify the flesh. What is the flesh? Paul talks about this all the time. The flesh is our own desires. It's the things that we want. Paul says, I do the evil, even though I know I shouldn't be doing it. You know, uh, that is my flesh, but that is not my spirit. We crucify our flesh. We're supposed to die to ourselves die to our own desires, die, die to the things that we, we want, but we don't actually realize are bad for us and instead submit ourselves to something that transcends us. And that is God. And we submit to his will, not our will. And that's exactly what you're doing is you're submitting to your own will. First uh, John two, four, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And that's what I was going to point to as the verse two push back on our video with claiming a truth and claiming Jesus, but doing the opposite of what Jesus commands. Like that verse pretty much says it all. They're saying they're of him, but they're nothing that's their fruit does not show it. Absolutely. And, um, this gives me a, a perfect little segue to talk about. Um, I put out the, I, I did put a clip on from last week's live, uh, on Monday's video and I made the claim that, you know, it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did. And that's our salvation. And I still stand by that. But then I had a whole bunch of comments saying, well, it's, you have to do the works. And, and this gives me a chance to, to address these claims. First uh, John 2, 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Yes, works are a part of our salvation. Yeah. Faith without deeds is dead. Yes. But it's not the deeds no. that give you the faith. No, it's yeah. it's an evidence. It's an outpouring because you're so thankful that you want to do good things, and it's and it increases your faith. Right. If um, you know, if if I give Dan twenty dollars, and he says he's going to pay me back in a month, and I have faith in Dan, I'm not going to call him every day and say, "Where's the twenty dollars?" That is an evidence that I don't have. It's faith. a lack of faith. Yeah. That's a lack of faith. But if I, I have, know, I know people who would do that. Too. Yeah. If I have faith in Dan. Then I'm going to trust his word and then a month passes and I'm, I'm going to trust that I'm going to get that $20 back. That That is what faith is. So when Jesus says, do this and you do it for me, do this and, and it's better, that is having faith because 
Jesus said it was better to do this, so therefore you do it because of the over amount of love that you receive from Jesus and outpours to other people. So yes, works is a part of what we believe, but it's not a cause. You don't work to get to your salvation. You have salvation, therefore you work. That That is, that is the point. That is the definition. I have faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I trust in what he said, and because I trust in what he said, I am going to do the things that he said. If That's perfect evidence. If I say I trust Jesus and don't actually follow through with anything that he said, that's an evidence that I don't actually trust him. That by That's the definition of faith, and that's what it means. So for everybody who is saying to me that, yeah, you need works, no, works is a part of it, but you can't, it's not like, oh, if I do 7,500 works in my lifetime, I've earned salvation. You could, but on another note, you could build reward. That, that That's scripture, isn't it? I don't know. I don't Well, really yeah, reward that. in in heaven, whatever that's going to look like. Yeah. But we don't, that, that's not for now. No. Yeah. Well, anyways. Yeah. So I, I wanted to address that. Um, but then to go back to what we're talking about here is, uh, again, if... If we see you going completely against what Jesus says, then that is proof that you're a liar, that you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not one to claim someone's salvation, but that, that, that's an evidence, right? So I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to go to your service. I, I'm sorry. Uh, then the last one I wanted to go into is Matthew 16, 24. Uh, then Jesus had told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow M. I, I left out the E. Uh, follow me. Again, deny who? Deny yourself, right? It, it doesn't say accept yourself for who you are. I don't accept myself for who I am. There's, there's a lot of my own desires that live inside me that want to come out all the time that I have to go, no, go away. You're not good for me. And I actually see the evidence in that because when I do sometimes cave to my own desires, I see the chaos that comes after it. I see the problems that come after it. That when I when I allow my flesh to win, I see negativity every single time. I have never seen my flesh overcome my spirit. I won't say overcome. I won't I'll say I've never seen it where I've succumbed to my flesh and then a good thing happened. Not not one time. So I deny myself. So as an end result, you mean? As an end result. It, there could be good that happens momentarily, which is why you would even pursue your flesh. But it, that it's a momentary fleeting thing. Yeah. But then ultimately, anytime in retrospect looking back, it's never good. Well, let's let's use a, 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 a quick hyperbole, a quick example. Yeah. Um, you're, you're in a loving marriage and your flesh tells you, like that, that Ned Fulmer from last week, your flesh tells you that this night of passion with this person would be extremely pleasurable. That that night of passion with this person, if you're cheating on your wife, would be pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Then what happens after that? Nothing but chaos. You're not going to look upon that and be like, I'm really glad I did that. that. That was really good. I don't know a single person in my life who got loaded, wasted, drunk, and woke up the next day. It's like, wow. That's really, amazing. Yeah. Really glad I got drunk last night. That was that was phenomenal, right? Like, Or, or just like... Any fleshly desire, name a fleshly desire that somebody succumbs, 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 succumbs to where at the end of it, you're just like, that was awesome. I'm so glad I did that. In, yeah, in reality, I mean, some people would convince themselves that it's good, mm -hmm. 
but what is good? But I think I think people convince themselves that it's not wrong. It's not bad. I don't think people really convince themselves like when they see the outcome that that like oh I was super they don't nobody reflects on a night of engaging in desire and is fond of it. But then they they remember the pleasure that it was given and then they seek that. They chase the dragon. But people definitely reflect on the deeds that they've done that have done good to the world. Like when you're old and you're sitting on your porch in a rocking chair, you know, that classic Mm -hmm. metaphor, and you're reflecting on the things that you did, you're not going to reflect on every night that you got drunk. You're not going to reflect on every night that that you uh, engaged in in adulterous activity. Uh, You're not going to reflect on whatever it may be that you're doing and being like, good memories, right? You might reflect and laugh about some of the things that you did in those moments while you were were, while you were doing that, but you're going to look back and you're going to think about, you know, that time that you helped an old lady across the street, or that time that you uh, somebody was down and out. And you, and you help them get from not being on their feet to being on their feet. You're going to reflect on, you know, your children that you brought up and taught them in right ways. You're going to reflect on those things and those memories and those things are, are what brings you joy. So what is my, my flesh doesn't tell me to do those things. My flesh, my flesh doesn't tell, look, right now I'm a little exhausted because I've been working a lot. Um, but I work, I work with kids. When I go in there and the kids are all screaming and yelling at each other and they're arguing and fighting, my flesh tells me to throw them out the window. <laughs> That's what my flesh tells me. Or just scream and yell at them. It's not fruitful. It's not good. It's not beneficial. If I took a kid and just hucked them out of a two-story window, see you later, kid. Like that, but that's, that's what the, in the moment the flesh goes, Hey, this kid is being really annoying, scream and yell at him and tell him they're an idiot. But, but I die to self and I know what's good. And I sit down with the kid and I go, Hey, what you're doing, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's have a conversation. And you know, they're looking away from me and they're not even talking to me. And it's like, it's a big frustrating should I give into my flesh there? No, we, we have to deny it self. Um, so yeah, with that being said, freedom of speech is going out the window. <laughs> uh, Kanye West, I actually love the guy. I love what he's doing. And this progressive Christianity, is it scares me. Um, and, and I don't know how to address it because I'm scared of being canceled uh, because freedom, like I said, freedom of speech is going out the window. Uh, but now is your guys' chance that anybody who's in the chat, if you have any questions, any points that you want to bring up, we will open the floor to you for about about two or three minutes. Uh, if not, we are going to move on. Is there? Is there... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading the comment. Jennifer Levy, thanks. Haha, <laughs> Dan smiles as he, he thinks of sitting on his current porch. Yes, <laughs> I do actually. I was <laughs> literally thinking about that when you made that comment that, I'm that kind of person that actually does sit and reflect on the past. What do you, what do you reflect on? I, I have a nostalgic brain. I can remember things from my childhood more than last week. Mm. I don't know if it's just how my brain functions. And again, even the fact that I'm multitasking right now and in normal terms, I wouldn't be able to multitask, but I'm pressing buttons and checking chats and that I, I don't even know how I function in certain ways. And that's my brain. I, I reflect on silly things that makes my wife go, why are you even thinking of that? I'll say every night when I'm in bed, if if we, it's not really late and we're chatting, 
I'll say, I just had a flashback. I always start with, I had a flashback. I remember this event. And it's like, how? Like, just weird things. Well, you were, um, you were an atheist too, right? I was agnostic. Agnostic. I didn't know any better. Right. But I, I was respective or respectful of religion, but I didn't understand it. And you came to your faith in, it was like late teen years or early 20s? I was 17, turning 18. Did, and, and from what I heard, just through the, through the grapevine, I'm sure you can figure out who. The gossip. The, oh. uh, <laughs> that you had a bit of a rambunctious life as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and my parents were drinkers. And yeah, and I mean, I don't want to go into gory details. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my sister would go to bush parties and I would drag her out because I was the clean one. Right. Um, I was actually just terrified of doing bad things, sure. if I'm totally honest. Yeah. Um, I had friends who did bad things and I just sort of was around them. I was really good at not being bad, but being with bad people. Did you see any fruit come out of uh, succumbing to one's flesh? Mostly just years? terror. Just terror. Just, I, yeah, it terrified me being around all of it. And I picked friends that were really bad. And I don't even know why. Like, why do we do the things that we do? Because it, it seems sexy at the time. It seems rebellious. And I, I look back and I'm like, I have no rebellion in me whatsoever. But if you look back at my past and I walk through things in my life, it's like, I am a rebel, but I'm like a quiet one. <laughs> so there was, um, there was somebody in, in, in part of my past, not, not that I knew, but, uh, uh, somebody that I knew knew, and I knew this person very well. I knew, I know this story is true. Um, they were friends with a, a, a millionaire, uh, this mil- they won the lottery. They literally won the lottery and they had millions of dollars and their only goal was to spend all of it killing themselves. Slowly, like death by slow cuts, you mean? Uh, Or do you mean in one grandiose event? Do as much... Bad things. Yeah, do as much drugs as that you can, drink as much as you can, sleep Mm -hmm. with men as much women as you can until it kills you. This person literally had all desires at beck and call and found... No happiness, no yeah. joy. Like literally, give what if you ask anybody? You know, you want to win the lottery? Yes, yes, I would like to win the lottery. Most people. But there's a perfect biblical example for all of that. Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. yeah. He had everything, and he still. It was what's wild with Solomon is that God literally gave it all to him. He said because, if I could paraphrase it right, he said because you have not asked for something selfish you prayed for wisdom so that you could help your people mm-hmm. so you did it for for you asked for wisdom and then you asked it to help your people not only will i give that to you but i will also give you a ridiculous amount of wealth like you can have it there so he got it from god yet he still died to his he still felt he didn't die to his flesh he he fell into his flesh he still 700 freaking wives like and he, did he not and it shows my ignorance did he not let any religion happen for any of the wives that he was with. Like he was like, Oh, well, if you want to worship this God, go to worship that God. He actually, he actually worshiped the gods with them. Right. So he was just a pushover dude. Yeah. He, he (laughs) fell to worshiping other gods and, and then he wrote Proverbs and, and then you read in Proverbs, everything it says, it says, you know, none of it matters. Give it to God. Right. And now people argue if he actually wrote Proverbs, he wrote Proverbs. I'm going to say that. Um, so give it to God. 
Uh, do we have any questions in the chat? Mostly statements. People were actually distracted for a long while about the gun and the and the Hitler comment. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm watching through going, yeah, well, we're kind of past that, but it was funny. Um, and I, I can't see TikTok. You'd have to have a look at TikTok. Um, yeah, I just, it was, Shannon was saying, I just think of all the good things I could do to help others if I had the kind of, that kind of money. It's funny. There's an interesting question then. If you had a ton of money, would you automatically think I want to do good with it beyond yourself? I, I got a, I, I got a, I got a plan. If mm-hmm. I won the lottery, uh, what I would do, I would. But John, isn't it sinful to win the lottery? No. How dare you have a plan about the lottery? It's what, it's what you. It's I don't. I'd have to actually buy a ticket to win the lottery. Right. Um, I can't afford to play the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm just playing the legalist role yeah. here. <laughs> uh, I, if I won, if I won the lottery, I would. And it's hard to say because, like, when you have it, it's different. But I would give. I'd give um, a large sum to the church. Uh, to buy a building. I think that would be important and good for the church. If I could do that, I would give a large amount to my gym uh, to set that up. I would give to my family members that are behind and and establish them and donate a large sum to charity. But I'd also establish my own life. Uh, I I would get a home. I would get a vehicle that's better than I have. I'd set myself up in a good way. And then I would triple down on what I'm doing right now um, and and invest in that. And then depending on what's left over, uh, I, I don't know, uh, but you can it, just uh, buy all the gear. I would, well, yeah, just <laughs> come here, here you go, Dan. So I would try to, I would try to use it for the work of the kingdom, but who knows when I have it, I might be like, Hmm, that so, sports car looks nice. So lottery is gambling and and that's pagan, by the way. that's another comment. Um, I was, pagan. everything is I was pagan. making the obvious joke that that's why I said it. Um, Jen Levy said, Sean wanted me to say that he loves that Kanye's going back to Kanye, his album, Jesus is King was number one globally for millions to see that exact phrase. That, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great point. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. So having Kanye represent God and then us as Christians want to go, I don't know if like, dude, the, the, the dude is telling the whole world about Jesus and he says, Jesus is God. And he says, Jesus is a King chill out for a second let's celebrate that let us celebrate the fact that the whole world just heard that jesus is king let's celebrate the fact that eminem despite all the grotesque things that he rapped about claimed that jesus is his shepherd right that he that he is his god let let's celebrate that these are huge accomplishments let's celebrate the fact that justin bieber has services at his concert and thousands of people are hearing the gospel let us celebrate that instead of putting these people under microscopes and being like, I wonder. So, so as Jesus is permeating through our culture, our churches are saying, um, that's not what we want people to see. It has to be done with a tie. We don't want to hear. We don't want the world to hear the gospel. Essentially, that's kind of how. And, and again, I can judge churches on the island. I've been in enough of them. I'm talking about our island. We live on an island and there's there's a general element of passivity in churches. And uh, I've said this a number of times in the last number of weeks with people that usually, and I deal with the public a lot in, in, in our, you know, we own a retail store. Um, usually the non-churched, non-people who don't know any better, quote unquote, from scripture are much kinder, much nicer, and much more giving than most of the church people I interact with. Well, there, there is again, most, not all, but most there, again, this goes back to my motto, my channel scripture over culture, right? Uh, yeah. there are a lot of people who just grew up in the culture and they don't know. 
I, I'm not going to say that they're saved or not, but they don't know that, that deep relationship and what it means. Instead, they're, they're too engulfed into what the church has told them and how they should behave and how the culture should be and what we should be as a society rather than who God says that we are. So they're, they're, look, it doesn't matter what culture you look at. There's a lot of unsaved people. So we've yeah. kind of hit the point now where we're, we're just rambling and having a conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to plug myself real quick, guys. If you like this content, you like this lives, please let me know. You can let me know on discord, Instagram. You can, you can leave a comment down below. I need to know what you guys like, what you guys, um, tune into what you want to see more of uh, or do, less of like or, Dan. Or, yeah. Get rid of Dan. <laughs> Um, or if you like this new format, the one where we're talking about, uh, a few points throughout the night, rather than just focusing on a singular one, or you want us to go back to that old singular one. Ultimately, this content is, is not for me. It is for you. It is, it is your food. It is your edification. I am, I'm here to serve at the end of the day. That's what I'm trying to do, uh, while building this platform. So please let me know what you like. I take everything into account. Uh, if you do appreciate it and you want to see it go, keep going and you want to support my ministry and, and, uh, allow me to put more time and effort into this. Uh, I do have a link to my Patreon down below. Uh, also, all the Patreon people are supporting. Their, uh, I think you have them listed. Th yeah, they're all listed. The YouTube. So yeah, everyone there. I appreciate all you guys. I am so grateful as well. Please make sure you hit the like button. That really helps the algorithm when we put it out. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, the bell bell icon, because like I said, I'm putting more focus into YouTube because TikTok is so fickle. I never know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to get pushed out. Plus, they just they don't want to pay. Um, and I, again, I want to be transparent. I am trying to make a living off of this. So I don't want anybody to come up to me later and say, oh, he's just trying to make money. Yes, I am trying to make money. Um, but that is not my primary goal. It is just a means to support my actual goal, which is uh, service um, to the kingdom and trying to follow that. But unfortunately, I can't look at my landlord and be like, hey, Jesus loves you. No rent this month. No, I can't do that. So I want to be transparent of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, which is why I say that. Uh, and then, yes, of course, please follow me on, on Instagram, TikTok, all those things. I love all you guys. Uh, I'm going to pray this out and uh, we'll see you all next time. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for allowing us into your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. And thank you for allowing us to share in the, the little glory you allow us to share and to, to do our best in our attempt to identify in you and in your image. Thank you for working through us. Thank you for allowing us to share in your fruits. Simply just being a part of that makes everything worth it. Those, those few glimpses of watching people come to their salvation, those few glimpses of people getting deeper in their faith, watching people get baptized, this watching, watching people's lives change. God, it has made all of this worth it. And, and it's so awesome to see you work and do the things that you do. God, I ask that if anybody hears this now or later, uh, that is seeking you, that you help them, that you make that path wide and that you, you shine your light bright so that they can see you and so that they can follow you. And then God, I ask that if anybody has that desire, even just a little bit, that you amplify it so that they can surrender everything that they have to you, who they are, their finances, their home, their identity, everything into being you and being part of your kingdom and only serving you. Because the greatest good that we can achieve on our own 
doesn't even scratch the surface of the greatest good of who you are. If you created the greatest good thing that we can find on our own, imagine how much better that you are. Allow us to realize that and allow us to never forget the works that you've done. Don't let us stray too far. And if we do, correct us. If we're wrong about anything, correct us and give us, give us wisdom, give us knowledge. God, ultimately, we're choosing to submit and serve to you, but we can't do it on our own. We need your help. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much, and have yourselves a great night.